You are listening to the Not Your Average Autism Mom podcast, the number one podcast for moms just like you raising an autistic child. How are moms like us who didn't plan for this unique parenting journey embracing life just as it is right now instead of staying stuck in wishing and hoping and dreaming it was different? That is the question. And if you haven't taken our free course yet, Unburdened, Finding Balance, Living Alongside Autism, make sure you click the link in the show notes. It's www.notyouraverageautismmom.com forward slash free course and get registered. My name is Shannon Urquiola and I have been traveling this journey for over two decades. I have been where you are. And in this free course, I teach you things that I learned along the way that changed my life. And I live this autism parenting journey day in and day out, just like you. All right, stay with me and let's get on to this week's episode. Episode 123, Why Our Kids' Playtime Might Look Different. Well, hello there, my friends. I hope that wherever you are, that things are good. And um, I am good. Everything is good here. But I want to let you know that, you know, I know that there are many of you who are in a difficult season. And I want to let you know that it will pass and you will get through it just like you've gotten through the other difficult seasons that you've been through. You know, I always talk about this being a bumpy road, right? This autism parenting journey. And it's just really important for you to recognize during those difficult times that yes, this is challenging, but you also have to remember that you've been through these times before and just like then you will get through them. And I say that because I spent a lot of time this week with some of our new moms who are new to our membership. And, you know, one of the things that I told one of them was that it is really important when you find yourself in a difficult season along this journey that you help your brain find the good. No matter how small you might think it is, The more good that you can find in your day, instead of just focusing on the hard, your brain will begin to start to find more good. So I told her that her homework was to take two minutes every night before she went to bed and write down three things good about her day. Now, that might be the fact that, you know what, she got up and took a shower and got dressed or that she got her son off to school right? They don't have to be big, huge things, but it's just important for your mental well-being that you find some equal airtime of the positive with the negative. And I know that during those difficult seasons or after a long day that's included, you know, an epic meltdown, that isn't always easy. We've all been there, but what I do know is that it's worth it. So real quick too, before I get started, um, I am doing a free webinar coming up on Sunday. So if you haven't attended a webinar, I want to encourage you to come join us. 
You can get all the details at www.notyouraverageautismom.com forward slash webinar. And I'll put the link in the show notes, or you can find all the details on our Facebook page too. But we would love to have you join us on an upcoming webinar. All right. So on today's topic, which is, you know, way more fun than all that talk about the struggles and challenges and seasons, we're going to talk about playtime. And, you know, one thing I figured out really early on is that playing for our kids can look a lot different than it does for their typical peers. Because many of our children have social and communication deficits that are notable at an early age, their ability to learn from their peers is pretty significantly impacted. But think about it. For typical little ones, they learn from, you know, exploring everything around them, repeating what they see you or their peers or their siblings do. They learn to respond when someone talks to them. They learn back and forth play. But for our kids who, you know, may have little to no interest in their peers, they're likely not learning those baseline skills of playtime. And I think back to Jordan and, you know, when he was little, he loved anything that was a spinning toy. And I remember that, you know, he loved Toy Story and Woody and he had this spinner toy that you just push the button and the whole top of it would spin and he would just spin it and spin it and spin it and he was also a tire spinner you know what i'm talking about right he never played with the cars or trucks he just liked to spin the tires on them and tried to figure out the mechanics of everything you know how they were attached or you know maybe you have a girl and maybe she was fascinated by opening and closing the doors on the dollhouse or on the Barbie car, or she just loved, you know, combing or stroking Barbie's hair instead of, you know, actually playing Barbies. So one thing I want to say is that while our kids may not always use toys the way that others would, you can help them expand what they are focused on. You know, join in with them exploring the toy. You can talk about sizes and shapes and which way the wheels spin. Think about it. You're actually working on other skills while you're joining in with them. Then slowly move towards using the car, you know, as it's designed. So, you know, if it's an airplane, practice flying it. Or if it's a toy car, drive it. The point is don't discount their observations and fascination on the mechanics of the toy. Just encourage some traditional play too. The good thing is that you know, you can often help them develop their ability to play if you can figure out where their struggles are, right? So, you know, here we go being that scientist again, because, well, that's just what we have to do. So let's start with, you know, imaginative play, because that just might be the most difficult concept for them to grasp. And pretending is a skill that many autistic adults claim that they struggle with even into adulthood. The thing with imaginative play is that it is beneficial for language and social development and can also be used to help learn how people show emotions and empathy. But I want you to know it can take a lot of practice and a long time for our kids to learn. 
So how can you work on imaginative play? Tell a story. That's all you have to do. You can pick up anything, a plane, a train, a toy, just pick something and make up a story. And then ask about what the character, you know, the plane or the train or whatever it was, ask them what it was doing. Are they happy or sad? Are they moving fast or slow? Does the train have friends? Tell me about their friends. What do they like to do together? Get creative. And in doing that, our hope is that with practice, they'll begin to grasp the concept of imaginative play. Another thing is physical play, which facilitates gross motor development um, and coordination, which again, something our kids often have deficits in and often fall behind their peers in this area. And for this, all you have to do is get moving, just have fun. Now, for us in our home, while Jordan was growing up and still to this day, dancing and even more so singing are absolutely off limits to me as far as Jordan's concerned. He does not want me to dance or sing, so I don't. No, I'm just kidding. I do sometimes when I just want to aggravate him because, I mean, he can't always get his way, right? I mean, that's a life skill that he needs to learn. Sometimes people are going to do things that you don't like. So if I want to aggravate him, I just dance or sing. But seriously, if you can, when you have littles, you know, you can start this at two years old, dance to your favorite music or their favorite music. And you're going to learn some things here too, right? You're going to learn, do they like the music loud or not? Do they like the beat of a certain, um, you know, style of music? And remember, there aren't any rules. Just have fun together. And as a bonus, they'll be working on their gross motor skills all at the same time. Another thing that I highly recommend is sensory play. Sensory play uses their senses to just explore the world. And when you do that, they learn new tastes, new textures. They become familiar with different sensations. And fun fact here, in case you didn't know, sense of touch is actually the first sense to fully develop. So it's the first sense of the five senses that we fully develop first. Um, but it's so fun to do this type of play you might want to do it outside because it can tend to get a bit messy, but sensory bins are amazingly fun and you can do so many things with them. You can use kinetic sand or water or slime or rice or even shredded paper. There are just so many fun things that you can do. You know, grab the strainers and the funnels and the scoops from your coffee, anything, and just let them play. These give the kids the opportunity to explore and learn, you know, using tactile play, which just engages their senses. And as a bonus, they can also be very calming for our kids too. If you have a kiddo who has been known to rip pages in books, you might want to try a sensory bin with shredded paper because ripping pages in those books might just be sensory seeking and not just being destructive. So these are the things where we have to learn to think outside of the box, right? Because our kids don't fit in any box. 
But there are so many benefits from fine motor development to counting and sorting to learning to concentrate. And you know what else? Kinetic sand is so awesome because there isn't a right or wrong way. They just mold it into whatever they want to create. And then what happens is they're successful, right? Because there isn't a right way. And that is what can build their confidence and make them proud of what they made. When they're old enough, start using measuring cups and measuring spoons. And you can talk about measuring. And what do you know? They'll be learning math skills. Just be willing to try a lot of different combinations and find out which ones they love. This is also a great tool that will help them learn to sit for extended periods of time when they have a sensory bin that they enjoy because it's calming, but it can also help them to concentrate when they're creating something. And what about cause and effect in play? For many of our kids, this is huge because of their need to be in control. Well, when they are learning cause and effect, they're learning logical and critical thinking and that their actions cause their results. Think about that toy Jack in the Box, right? When you spin it all the way to the end, it pops up, right? So... What you want to do is you want to do it, right, with them watching you. So they watch you, you get till the end, and Jack in the Box pops up. So they see you do it, and then have them do it. And guess what? The same thing happens. And then they will begin to make the connection that if they do this, then that will happen. And in turn, they're using their hand-eye coordination and learning to take turns and share. It's really important that you pay attention to when they're showing interest in participating and playing because this is when they'll likely really take in more. And also, you need to be aware when they aren't interested and don't push it because you want to keep it positive. You always want to keep your playtime with them positive. And this is what I want you to know. Don't forget to have fun yourself. It can be easy to see everything as learning or therapy when you're raising an autistic child, but play is about fun. Let your hair down, be silly, forget about your to-do list and the emails in your inbox, and just allow yourself to have fun. All right, my friend. I hope I have given you some ideas and inspired you to take a little time for playtime. Trust me when I tell you time is really a thief and it goes faster than you can even imagine. Making time to help them learn to play and modeling for them is how they will build the skill sets they need and have the confidence to interact with their peers. Until next week, have a great week. And remember, above all, You, mama, are doing amazing at this mom thing. Hey, so if you're loving what you're learning on the podcast, I want to ask you to take a minute and write a review. That's how we reach more moms just like us. And that is how you can pay it forward to help another mom who might be struggling right now. 
I also want to invite you to check out our Not Your Average Autism Mom membership. That's where we dive deeper into all the topics we discuss on the podcast and where you can get individual help and learn coaching tools that will make your life better every day. When you become Not Your Average Autism Mom, you take on an identity with an incredible community of women across the globe, all raising autistic children who all show up to show the world they are not your average autism mom. It's my favorite place to be. So head on over to the website, www.notyouraverageautismmom.com to find out all the details. And listen, if we're not open for new members right now, make sure you join the wait list so you're the first to know when we open. We hope you do. We would love to work with you inside.